Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. My name is Brennan Schaefer, coming to you on this Monday, May 24th, as the Cardinals, they lose Game 1 in Chicago on the south side against the White Sox. Tony La Russa's White Sox by a score of 5-1, to one, as this was the Lance Lynn revenge game. And as it turns out, Lance Lynn did have some revenge on the brain, as he told the White Sox reporters in his post-game Zoom tonight, and... I do have the audio that I clipped, and I'm going to play for you of his answers that I imagine are going to be some fodder for St. Louis Sports Talk Radio on Tuesday. And since we're a podcast, we had the benefit of not having to worry about FCC guidelines, as there's a word you'll hear from Mr. Lynn during this uh, exchange that he would not be able to say or play on the radio airwaves. So we're going to play it for you unedited. And I'm not even going to clip out the pregnant pause after he gives his answer because it's kind of awesome there too. And it leads right into the next question about how Lance Lynn felt about beating the Cardinals, which he did tonight with a really strong outing, had a no hitter going into the sixth and ends up pitching seven innings of three hit baseball, allowing just one run. And the run that he did give up was on the first hit of the night. Ends up walking Tommy Edmond. Edmond gets to second. A sacrifice fly gets him to third. Stole second. Got to third. Paul Goldschmidt with the infield in gets credited with the first hit of the night on a ball. Pretty sharply hit to Tim Anderson, but one that Anderson at shortstop probably should have been able to field. But I don't think he even got a glove on it. And so that's why ends up getting credited with the hit rather than an error. And you could see in the broadcast at the time, Lance Lynn not very happy that that ball wasn't caught. He did have the no-hitter going. And so... Probably had that on the brain maybe a little bit, but ultimately doesn't matter as the White Sox later take the lead on an Andrew Vaughn home run off of Kwon Young Kim. We'll get into his outing a little bit and the decision that laid before Mike Schilt in that spot in the sixth inning where he had a right-hander, Daniel Ponce de Leon, warming up in the bullpen. Andrew Vaughn has very good numbers against lefties that we'll give you in a minute and talk about kind of the nature of that decision and, and It's kind of a reiteration of a topic that we discussed after Friday's loss when the Cardinals' kind of middle relief crew got blown up by the Cubs so badly in that 12-3 loss. But first, I want to stop teasing it and go ahead and play the Lance Lynn audio for you because it is delightful, as he always is. Has that body language thing always been there, that aggressiveness, uh, or has it been refined? I've always been an asshole. Vinny? Lance, uh, Tony was getting asked a lot about facing off against St. Louis today, but what was it like for you to uh, to pitch against your old team? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. That was probably the most satisfying win I've ever had in my career, um, not counting the playoffs. So uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit beating them. Um, it's one of the one of the teams I do not have a major league win against, and, and now I do, and uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Well, what is that mix of emotions like? Is it is it a lot of uh, you know? nostalgia involved or is it a little bit of a prove it kind of thing too 
prove it. Hatefulness, a little bit of everything. <laughs> if that's not the spiciest stuff you've ever heard from Lance Lynn, and I expect nothing less, by the way. Cardinals fans I see on Twitter already are kind of like, whoa, what the hell? Like, catching a stray, didn't necessarily see this coming from Lance Lynn. Look, I mean, you have to go back in time a little bit, but that offseason where he became a free agent and the Cardinals kind of let him out there to dry, whether he wanted to even come back, I don't know if that's necessarily, uh, you know, been established. I know that at the time, you know, that season that was going along, he was pitching pretty well and thinking he would get a pretty good contract. I remember reporters surrounding the team going on local radio and predicting that it would be a hundred million dollar contract. Like that would, that was kind of what people were, were thinking. And so it didn't go that way. If you recall for Lance Lynn, uh, it didn't go that way for a lot of guys in his situation. That off season was kind of the first free agent chill that really took effect over major league baseball. And so he had to settle for a much lesser deal. And you, you heard heard it there at the end. The, what was the emotion? Was it more like prove it? or And then he says, yeah, prove it, hatefulness, a little bit of everything. So really great stuff from Lance Lynn if you're a, a media type that loves to, to soak this kind of thing in and talk about it because that was awesome. Like, did you hear the pregnant pause after his first answer where he just said, yeah, I'm an asshole. I've always been an asshole. And then there were a few seconds before the PR person for the White Sox directing the Zoom says the next name of the person who's who's to ask their question. That was just great. I, lo- I loved every bit of that. And so when I saw that that had happened, I was on the Cardinals Zoom watching the Cardinals Zoom. I would, maybe I should have tried to find a way onto the White Sox Zoom. Instead, would have been far more entertaining for sure on this night. But Lance Lynn was good, and you, you didn't you expect it, though? You expected him to have this kind of outing against the Cardinals. Like I said, if you weren't maybe keen to the idea that there might be some bitterness or some resentment there based on the way it all went down, you know, Cardinals didn't try to sign him to an extension, just, you know, never came to be. And, and did he want to be here? Did they want to have him there? You know, it just kind of didn't – it never did feel like like that extension was going to come. I enjoyed covering Lance Lynn. Lynn was on the team 2016 when I first started covering the Cardinals, and so that's you know kind of an interesting perspective because he's a guy who's was here, had left, and then you know you finally see him match up with the Cardinals tonight after a few years have gone by, and he's been really good, by the way. I mean, you talk about the misses the Cardinals have had in recent years. Again, personalities play a part in it, and so. It just, for whatever reason, and you can certainly criticize uh, the team for not making a different decision because if you look at the way he's performed over the last few years since leaving the Cardinals, especially within the last couple of seasons, uh, he's been really, really strong. When he went to Texas, that's really when he started to dial things in. 16-11 and 11 season back in 2019 with a 3.67 ERA last year was really strong as well, point. 3-2 ERA, and this year's been off to an excellent start. He's now 5-1 and one after sticking it to his former team on Monday night. ERA all the way down at 1.51. So he's, I mean, he's just that guy who comes at you with fastballs. The slider was looking really good tonight. He got Yachty on a slider that, you know, you look at where the pitch ends up and you're thinking, man, that cannot be a pitch that you swing at. But it looks enticing, especially when you're gearing up for a Lancelin fastball because he has so many variations 
and, and different ways he uses his fastballs as different iterations that it can be real tough. And so if you're if you're kind of geared up for that fastball and you see, you know, a pitch that looks like it's going to dart to the outer edge of the plate and then it just it falls off the map, not even off the table. It's just totally gone several feet outside and in the dirt. Uh, gets a little bit of a check swing, uh, full swing, go around action on Yadier Molina. That is that is Lance Lynn, and when he's got that kind of you know, it's not, not even an off speed pitch, it's just his little uh, breaking ball that he still throws with some oomph behind it. That's just the kind of guy he is, and it's been effective for him the last few years. And the Cardinals maybe question whether health wise that would that would hold up, and they just weren't ready to give the kind of contract. And then I think when you look back and say, well, he only ended up getting like a year or two. On that deal, I, I don't know off the top of my head what that contract was. Pulling it up here, I think it was just the one-year $12 million that he got from the Minnesota Twins. Pitching for them, then gets traded midseason to the Yankees, which was a big deal because he had to shave his beard. Lance Lynn always bearded. Then goes to Texas, and then the trade to the Chicago White Sox in a deal that sent Dane Dunning, a pitching prospect who's in the rotation, I believe now for Texas, to the Rangers. So, Lynn's moved around, bounced around a little bit, but has really continued to be that kind of dominant workhorse type innings eater that he was with the Cardinals. And he stayed healthy. Now into his mid-30s has continued uh, to just be a really strong pitcher. National League, American League hasn't mattered for him. Uh, he's He's been pretty much the same guy his whole career. And last year in the COVID season, at age 33, you talk about all the difficulties that went on during that campaign and, and for the guys that did remain in the Cardinals rotation with the COVID outbreak, how careful the team was with a lot of those guys. Wainwright was really the only guy they kind of let go and do his thing and just let it eat and see what happens. Well, Lance Lynn is the kind of guy you can let it eat and see what happens. I know he missed the 2016 season with an injury, but I guess that was Tommy John for him that year. But other than that, Lance Lynn has been a really durable guy, and pretty much everybody gets their Tommy John at some time or another, it seems like, these days. And, yeah, ever since then and before then, he's just been the guy that's going to go out there and give you 200 innings. And so last year in that COVID season, 13 games started, 84 innings. Both marks led the league, which is just kind of tells you the, the value that he brought to a team in a circumstance where a lot of other guys were, you know, you're having to be a little bit careful and that's not to diminish anybody like Jack Flaherty. That was a decision made by the team and, and one supported by Flaherty because most guys just don't do what Lance Lynn can do as far as just the, the, the big bodied burly, bring it at you with the fastball. And he's just, he's really come into his own and doing a nice job for a White Sox team now back under Tony La Russa that uh, definitely has aspirations to go far this season. The Cardinals found out, and saw why firsthand today with the 5-1 loss they took on the south side of Chicago. So let's get into a little bit more of how that actually came to be. Kwon Young Kim had a pretty good outing himself going into the sixth inning, but you remember it's been a struggle for him all season long with regard to efficiency getting deeper into games. That's something that he was able to do right off the bat really last year after just kind of one or two starts into the rotation. It seemed like he was consistently getting a little deeper into games for the Cardinals and, and making things work in his MLB debut season. This year, he has not completed a sixth inning, and that trend continued through tonight as he pitched into the sixth, but was not able to get out of the inning unscathed or in general as Andrew Vaughn gets him for that home run in the frame. 
at the time, it looked as though Mike Schilt might be wanting to go to his bullpen because he had Daniel Ponce de Leon up and warming there for a little bit. He was certainly ready, and Schilt even went as far as to walk out to the mound. And typically when he does that, he's, he's removing the pitcher from the game. But this was an example where we've seen this with Adam Wainwright too before uh, earlier in the season when he was going going deeper and trying to, to get a complete game and that things of that nature to have a conversation with the pitcher. The problem is with Kwon Yin Kim, he does not speak the English language. Mike Schultz does not speak Korean. So needed to get Craig, the interpreter, out onto the mound, which was kind of a comical moment. Took a, took a minute because I think Craig just in, in the dugout there, his expectation is – if Mike Maddox, the pitching coach, goes out, I go so that the conversation can be had. If Mike Schultz goes out, typically that means he's removing the, the player from the game, and I don't really need to be out there for that. And so took a minute to get Craig out onto the field. You could see on the broadcast, Yadier Molina cracked a smile and was kind of laughing at, at Craig as he hustled out there once he realized that's that's what was necessary for him. And then a conversation took place where Mike Schilt ends up leaving without Kwon Young Kim, allows him to face Andrew Vaughn in that situation. There were two outs when it happened, when Andrew Vaughn came to the plate with a runner on base. And, you know, knowing that it's it's important for KK to, to prove that he can get deeper into games and be that efficient workhorse for the Cardinals as a lefty in the rotation, Mike Schilt gives him the opportunity, says you got gas left in the tank. He says he does. And they talk about the way they want to approach Andrew Vaughn. Mike Schultz said after the game in the Zoom that their their conversation said they're going to approach him like it's 0-2 the entire at bat. And if if he if he ends up taking a walk, so be it. They'll they'll attack Avisayo Garcia instead. As it turned out, 2-0 count, which KK was in a lot of tonight. I noticed it seemed like every time I looked up, he's in a 2-0 count, and there were even a couple of 1-0 situations where he was able to induce some contact and get an out, but the number of 2-0 counts that he got himself into is not very like KK, not compared to what he was last year for the Cardinals, and so that put him behind and put him in some difficult situations, but until he gets into the sixth inning, really, he didn't have to pay for it, because at that point in time, the Cardinals had just scored in the top half, and they do have a one nothing lead, and so KK conceivably finish up that inning, then you can get into the bullpen you did have some guys unavailable from the Cardinals bullpen tonight, and we'll talk about how that played into yeah, the reason I mentioned Daniel Ponce de Leon was even warming up in the situation to begin with. Last time we saw him was Saturday, and that was in relief of Miles Michaelis, but Michaelis left the game injured, which we didn't really get into in yesterday's podcast because we more did a cursory conversation about Saturday, but we'll get into that a little bit more in this episode before we finish up the status of Miles Michaelis moving forward, but when you look at what Ponce did Saturday, inning in two-thirds, a couple of strikeouts, did pretty well, but that was in kind of that bridge-the-gap bridge, bridge the gap mode because your starter only went four and left with an injury. So then that was kind of his role to get through the fifth into the, deep into the sixth before he handed off the baton and, and, and went on their way with kind of the main cast of characters that typically comes into games when the Cardinals are leading. And so while that was kind of his introduction to maybe a little bit of a newer role. He still had some length in that outing where he went 1.2 innings, inning in two-thirds. This was a different situation. This was coming in in the middle of an inning, potentially, to try to put out a fire, and he was the guy that Mike Schilt had warming because it was only the sixth. As we found out later on, Giovanni Gallegos and Alex Reyes were both considered unavailable for this game, though both told Mike Schilt they would be willing to pitch. It's the manager's job to kind of throttle back 
at certain points in time because you can't have both those guys throwing 80 appearances and get into September and not be able to use them. It's just it's just not the way you want to do, especially when you talk about Alex Ray as a guy who's health you want to be a little bit careful with. They've, they're letting the big dog eat at this point in time, but Ray is that's his track record and history. You don't want to be reckless or careless with him. And same thing with Gallegos, who's been a real... Uh, a real bright spot for the Cardinals bullpen the last few seasons. So with where they were, it meant Daniel Ponce de Leon getting up because you consider, okay, if you do keep that lead, it's going to be Ryan Helsley, Hennessy Cabrera, each with an inning to go later in that game. And it was going to be up to Ponce to, to get him out of that sixth and probably through the seventh would have been ideal if it's still a one nothing lead for the Cardinals. But as it happens, they allow KK to finish off that inning or at least have the chance to do so against Vaughn the rookie slugger who's really coming into his own and absolutely teed off on KK I mentioned they said they were going to go pitch him like it's 0-2 right well gets into the 2-0 count and then leaves a change up too high and if you get a change up middle middle major league hitters are not going to miss it and Andrew Vaughn did not crushed it to left field 2-1 White Sox a disappointing result for the Cardinals because you had that moment where you you make a trip to the mound, you could change. You could make a change there and go to the right-handed reliever that you had warming up. That's what makes this kind of interesting. Right-handed Andrew Vaughn, his splits on the season very much favor him against left-handed pitching. And that's a small sample because he's only had 39 plate appearances coming into tonight against lefties, 89 against righties. But against righties, it's a 539 OPS, a 192 batting average. Against lefties, he's got a 290 mark with a 436 on base and a 645 slug for an OPS of over 1,000 at 1081. And again, I believe that's before tonight's homer because baseball reference doesn't usually update until the next day, and that's where I'm taking a look at this right now. So clearly, you talk about a 1081 OPS compared to a 539, nearly double, Actually, it is double. If I'm any good at math, I would be able to figure that out quickly. Double the OPS versus lefties against righties. Cardinals end up sticking with the lefty in that situation, the starter who had a feel for the game. They were talking about that on the Cardinals broadcast, and sometimes that's the way you want to go with a guy who's got a feel for the game rather than maybe go to your bullpen for a, a guy who's got to immediately come in and throw strikes. For Daniel Ponce de Leon, who has a very high walk rate this season, seemed like on the broadcast they were kind of openly questioning that move. But you got to understand, if they don't have a lot of options out there in that bullpen, we talked about what it has been like for Cody Whitley and others, Tyler Webb, who struggled. Uh, and obviously, if it's a, a guy who mashes lefties, you're not looking to bring in another lefty in that situation. So you can argue about Ponce maybe being the guy that was, was warming for that situation all you want. I just don't think you got a leg to stand on. That's a conversation to have about the front office and can they supply this roster with the reinforcements that it appears it's going to need out of the bullpen before it ends up tanking too much of your season to be able to be as competitive as you want to be. Like the Cardinals are still first place team, but you lose too many games because of shoddy bullpen work and and just assuming that or, or kind of hoping that it's going to work itself out at some point. That's not a recipe. That's not a winning recipe and We'll see what the Cardinals and, and John Moselak and company are going to ultimately do about that. I frankly thought there was going to be more of a shakeup after Friday when you saw Whitley and Webb struggle consecutively for uh, the second game in a row. It was like, all right, maybe this is time to kind of make a move, but 
You know, Whitley got into the game tonight as well. Cardinals elected not to do anything with Tyler Webb, which I understand. The guy has been a valuable piece of your team for the last few years, and in, in this season hasn't shown that, but has has kind of a little bit of cachet with, with Mike Schultz, certainly as the manager and with the organization. And so for Tyler Webb, rather than DFA a guy, the Cardinals are always going to go that extra step to, to try to see if they can, can pull it out. Webb wasn't part of this tonight, though, and so you can't really – have that be baked into the conversation for today. But after KK gets pulled, it's Ponce de Leon, and KK does walk a batter after the home run to Vaughn, which I'm not sure why he's still in the game at that point. I guess really you're trying to get him through that sixth inning. But at that point in time, I just think, you know, the home run's already happened. Go to your bullpen, give Ponce a clean a clean slate to start the inning. That might have made the most sense. And I could even see the argument for, for saying Ponce should have been in that spot against Vaughn because Vaughn doesn't hit righties as well, and maybe that would have produced a different outcome. However, when Ponce does get into the game, it's not like he lit it up either. And this is the predicament that Mike Schilt has been dealing with this season, where if you're not talking about Genesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes, Giovanni Gallegos, and maybe to some extent Ryan Helsley, but he's had his ups and downs as well. But if you're not talking about those big dogs, the, the big trio out of the bullpen, what are you really talking about for the Cardinals? It's It, it doesn't end up... It's just not reliable. It's not pick your poison, right? You don't. You, it's hard to blame the manager for going one way or another when it seems like none of the options that he's gone to recently in these kind of middle inning spots to get to be the bridge to the end, they haven't really panned out. And so when Ponce comes in, he hits Nick Madrigal with a pitch. Granted, it was inside pitch that wasn't especially close to his body. It just had kind of got him on the elbow. And then the next batter, Tim Anderson, hits a double, which scores a couple of runs, and Tim Anderson ends up trying to stretch into a triple, gets thrown out at third. That's the only reason the inning ended. So it's not like Ponce, who would have been probably their best option at that point if they were going to make a change for Andrew Vaughn. Ponce didn't have a great night either. He actually ends up getting charged with another run in the seventh before Whitley comes in, relief of him, and uh, Whitley did a fine job. A couple of outs that he was able to record. Uh, I believe did allow the inherited runner to cross, but that was not his run. That was charged to Ponce. His ERA floats back up above 7, I believe. I don't know if it was there before the night, but it's 7.24 now. And so that's kind of been the story. You you get your shot with, with the guys you have in your bullpen, and it ends up not going the way you wanted to, and the Cardinals lose another game. Now, we do have to mention, they scored one run. They Again, you you cannot continue to heap all the blame to one area of the roster when this offense has been pretty darn inconsistent. And again, you, you talked about Lance Lynn as we did earlier in this podcast. He was really good tonight. Goldschmidt got a couple of hits off of him and reached base three times. Yachty had a good game, two for four as well. Otherwise, you look up and down this lineup, one for three for Sosa. That's it. Cardinals just had five hits, and those three guys accounted for him. Had a couple of walks scattered elsewhere, but, you know, Matt Carpenter, your DH... Yeah, he walked. That's all well and good. But he's hitting 114 now after an 0 for 3. Left 4 on base. I mentioned the 114 average, 510 OPS. That's not a recipe. If you're if you're going to give guys... I, look, I get they want to give him a chance. DH in the American League ballpark. I And I thought maybe he would have a decent game against Lynn tonight because not as much breaking stuff for Lance Lynn, so maybe he would get into a fastball. But Matt Carpenter is not catching up to those fastballs. Very often at this stage of his career, he might be fouling him off. He can work good at bats. The, the the bat is just not there for him. And so 
That got some more clamoring on social media tonight. How much longer can the Cardinals stick with Carpenter? You know, maybe they continue to give him at-bats in the series, but, uh, you know, it's just been it's it's been a struggle. There's no way to, to justify it, to to defend it. He hasn't looked good this season. But you know what? Justin Williams, 168 average, 540 OPS. That's not great either. Lane Thomas hasn't had a lot of opportunity. Over three night for him, 150 average, 470 OPS. So there's there are, there are pieces throughout this lineup that have not contributed at the the level the Cardinals need. Even Tommy Edmond, the, the batting average of 272 is is good. You, you like to see that, and he did take a walk tonight, scored the Cardinals only run. But the 695 OPS is is still not. I mean, that's not anything to write home about. And even out of the leadoff spot, we are not expecting a lot of power, and so you can accept a little bit lower for the OPS. Would like to see Edmund be able to to add a little bit to to that number. Just, you know, the doubles. That's where his power can come from, and he can get the OPS up that way. Like I mentioned, took the walk tonight, did steal a base, and so showing you what he can do at the top of the order, even when he doesn't get a base hit. But uh, overall, the Cardinals offense, just whoever it's going to be, they've got to find a way. 0 for 4 for Dylan Carlson back in the lineup tonight. He's had a fine season, still at uh, 786 on the OPS, 284 on the batting average. But, you know, it's, it's got to come from somewhere. And, and tonight it didn't come from, from Carlson, not Arenado, uh, not Matt Carpenter. So just the nature of the game. I mentioned Justin Williams went 0 for 3. He didn't actually start the game. That was Harrison Bader, who kind of got rolled up, basically diving in for a ball, didn't catch it, might have had it in his glove for a moment based on what Mike Schilt was describing relaying it from Bader. But then the ball, when it squeaks out, it kind of basically he lands on it as he's rolling and sliding forward. And that got him in the rib. That's, you know, you're expecting to slide onto grass and and knowing what that feels like and as an athletic guy being able to brace your fall. But then when the baseball ends up there right on your rib cage, that does not feel good. And so Bader was down for a couple of minutes, did walk off under his own power. Cardinals said, Going to have x-rays, and and imaging hasn't shown anything so far, but uh, tomorrow they'll have a better update on his status as of Tuesday. But you hope that there's nothing broken, no fracture in the ribs there, because that would cause him to miss some time. And as we mentioned, the outfield not exactly in an exuberant spot right now. You've lost Tyler O'Neill; He's back on the injured list as well. So we'll have to kind of see what the status ends up being for Bader. But you look at Lane Thomas, Justin Williams, like the answers aren't really coming from here, and you might have to make another call up, and this time do it with a guy that you plan to actually use. They called up Scotty Hurst earlier in the season. He was more of an emergency piece on the bench. Lars newtbar has been playing well for Memphis. That might be an answer. You know, you might, because if you do lose Harrison Bader, you got to figure something out, because you're looking at Dylan Carlson and not a lot else that you have much confidence in right now. And Carlson, even a little bit banged up, was kind of pleasantly surprised he was able to find his way back into the lineup tonight for the Cardinals. But offense isn't doing it. There will be plenty of podcasts where we don't go over the 30-minute mark where we can dive in a little bit more on the offense, but not a whole lot to say. They got beat by Lance Lynn tonight, and that's just the way it is sometimes. Um, but you got to find a way to be better. you got to find a way to get more support for your pitching staff that is bruised and battered right now as well in more ways than one. Speaking of which, Miles Michaelis. Going to kind of close the show talking about him. Wednesday is the day for him to receive a second opinion. Now, the opinion that the Cardinals staff found is no structural damage. How many times have we heard that, though? I, I just put zero stock into it. And I'm not trying to be 
crass or offensive to anybody, but you can't at this point in time really take this at their word and say, you know, no structural damage because they haven't been able to figure out what's wrong. You know, this guy is on and off with injuries the last, you know, 24 months. How long has it been at this point in time? Last couple of years, as he started dealing with the the forearm situation in the 2019 season, the stretch run of that campaign. And then it was a shoulder this spring after he had the surgery to fix the forearm. And now, I mean, this is a surgically repaired forearm. And you're telling me forearm tightness, forearm, you know, issues, no structural damage. I just don't, I just don't know. You know, you don't want to just say this is Tommy John, but because they haven't said elbow at all, but come on. I mean, this is not, it's not looking good, right? You can't expect to have Miles Michaelis this season. I don't, I would be surprised if he throws another pitch for the Cardinals in 2021, just based off the fact that you're talking about an area they already did a surgical repair to after multiple other steps of trying to, to, to fix it, alleviate the pain with other means, PRP injections and the like. And now you're saying it's the same thing again after he was already dealing with a shoulder. I just don't know how it doesn't eventually trace back to the elbow. And this is pure baseless speculation other than what we know, right? This is not me coming at you with some inside knowledge. This is just historically with what we see with pitchers. They haven't said elbow, but they usually don't say elbow until the elbow is is shot. And so they're going to go to Dr. James Andrews on Wednesday for Michael is a second opinion. Is it a situation where they're talking about the elbow? I'm sure they'll be looking at it. They'll be looking at the forearm. They'll be looking at everything in there. It's all interconnected. And so they want to figure out why he's having the experience of the soreness and the pain that he's trying to pitch through and just it continues to recur and he's not able to, to figure out what's going on there. So James Andrews, you know, anytime you hear Dr. James Andrews involved, you, you know, it's probably not great news, but as far as the Cardinals are concerned, they haven't been able to determine what the next step ought to be. And, you know, hopefully they get some, some promising news that there's a way to, to combat this without Tommy John surgery. Because again, they haven't mentioned the elbow, but I'm mentioning it because I don't know where else, how else this ends. You, you know, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, listen, you're not going to give a guy a surgery if that's not the, the area that's an issue. If it really is just the forearm and there's a way to have to combat it without an elbow surgery, then that's the way you go about it. But And listen, I feel like Cardinals fans listening are yelling at their, their radios or their phones or however they're listening and saying, well, of course he's going to have Tommy John and, and be out for the rest of the decade. That's the way... Cardinals medical staff goes and while I don't think that's necessarily a fair evaluation because you know injuries happen across baseball you look at the White Sox they've lost a lot of outfielders they've you know guys get hurt that happens and and it happens in particular to pitchers but I think what rubs fans the wrong way is that it's it's fine it's nothing it's nothing and then he's done and that is the the trend is that way because if you're hearing comments you're probably hearing it from the manager after a game and, and he's most often not going to be the guy to relay the bad news. And so I, I'm saying I'm hearing Mike Schilt and what he is saying. I wouldn't, if I'm a fan, get my hopes up. And, I, and you probably aren't. You probably understand that how this goes. I'm not telling you I know what Miles Michaelis' injury is. I'm just telling you I don't think it gets resolved soon. And I'm usually the guy that brings in the measured take and tries to say let's wait for the medical process to play out. Uh, we've done this song and dance with Michael so many times. I would be surprised, is all I'm saying. 
I'd be surprised if we see him back this year. And if I'm wrong, that's good news for the Cardinals because they could they could use a guy like him. He pitched pretty well on Saturday before leaving with the injury. But, you know, it's just if you can't get right physically, it's it's not worth trying to continue battle through. you got to step back and see if you can resolve it in whatever way you can. So that's where I see the situation with Miles Michaelis. We'll have more for you on that as of Wednesday. But appreciate you guys, as always, for sticking with me for the podcast because we had the Lance Lynn stuff to get to. Went a little bit longer than we have been going. Let me know if you mind that. Let me know how how long you typically like to listen to your baseball podcast. I appreciate you if you're choosing this one. Uh, means a lot to me as I as I continue to kind of ramp this this sucker up uh, for the for the future and the the stretch run of the season. And you know, hopefully, something we keep going for a long time. But appreciate you guys for being along. If you haven't subscribed, would love to have you do so at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Really, anywhere you get your podcast, you're going to be able to find us more likely than not. Head on over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 if you'd like to take a look at all the platforms where you can find the show. Big matchup coming your way on Tuesday between former Harvard-Westlake high school products, teammates on the same high school club, Lucas Giolito for Chicago, and Jack Flaherty going for the Cardinals. That should be a wonderful pitching matchup. One the Cardinals really need to get the better of after a couple of losses here to Chicago teams over the last couple of days. We'll have it all for you on Tuesday night after the game with the next episode of B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time.